Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. This is the Paul Leslie Hour, and you're listening to the series, It's Still Billy Joel to Me, within the show where we review all of the studio albums of singer-songwriter pianist Billy Joel. This is It's Still Billy Joel to Me, Volume 2, Piano Man. Just a little push of the play button of this episode, and you'll be smiling. (laughs) I'd like to introduce my co-reviewer. He's reviewed more than 100 albums. He's no stranger to a piano himself. The very stunning Jason Burge. Jason, how are you doing? Great. Thanks so much, Paul. Thanks for the introduction. Absolutely. So we're going to be delving into the album Piano Man. Piano Man was produced by the late Michael Stewart, recorded and released in 1973. Ten songs, including his signature song, the title track, Piano Man. You could say that this is the breakthrough record. That's not to say that it was financially successful. It really wasn't. But nonetheless, its place in history, I think, is sealed. The album was on Columbia Records. Billy Joel was thrilled to be on the same label as Bob Dylan. He felt it was a place for singer-songwriters. And interestingly, they are both still on Columbia Records. So, Jason, how would you describe the album Piano Man? Well, it certainly sounds very different than any other Billy Joel album in that it's this sort of like alternatingly frenetic and wistful ride south and west across the United States and even beyond written by a man who is extremely aware at a young age of the passing of time and what it will eventually take from him. It's a big Western with some Mississippi blues and some musings on Americana with obviously the greatest saloon piano song ever written thrown in, with a seemingly depressing return to New York at the end. And I think that if there's a a lyric that sums up this album, or I think what it's about, it's from somewhere along the line, which is, yes, a young man is the king of every kingdom that he sees, but there's an old and feeble man not far behind. Oh, surely, that surely will catch up with him somewhere along the line. I think that this sort of fevered trip around the country and wanting to take in as much as he could is sort of, you know, I think that's what this album is for Billy. Interesting. What were your, you know, what were your thoughts on it? It just occurred to me, yeah, it was kind of a travel. It starts with travel and prayer, which to me, when I was listening to it, I thought it sounds like the beginning of a Western movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you're on a train, right? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I know that you are aware that Earl Scruggs recorded it, but did you know that it was also covered by Dolly Parton? No, I didn't. No. Oh. I mean, actually, I didn't. I, it, before you introduced me to the Earl Scruggs version, I didn't realize it, but it, it, it seems more comfortable in more of a country, you know, casing than in your typical, you know, Billy piano crooner vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and as I started to dig, you know, because the first album, he said he wanted to write songs for other people, and that kind of happened. The The other song on there, You're My Home, was recorded by an artist named Sammy Joe, who was kind of like a country singer. 
I thought she did a great recording, maybe a little better than Billy, but getting back to Piano Man, I mean, he goes all around the place in terms of styles. Ain't no crime. It's almost like gospel music. Oh, yeah. Worse Comes to Worse has a kind of Caribbean rhythm, almost like reggae. So I would say you have to describe the album eclectic, to say the least. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, to that point... When I, I think when I first heard You're My Home, it made me think of John Denver. And so what I what I was wondering is, with the obvious exception of Piano Man and Captain Jack, if you'd first heard most of these songs sung by you know a Chris Christopherson or John Denver, would you guess that Billy Joel wrote them? <laughs> That's a great point. I especially like you using the example of John Denver, because I could really actually envision John Denver having recorded some of these songs. I No, I wouldn't imagine, imagine that they were Billy Joel songs at all. I know Piano Man and Captain Jack, and most fans know them so well, but the only song from this album that I really felt sounded like Billy Joel, other than those two, is Somewhere Along the Line. That sounds like pure Billy Joel to me. I agree with that. Now, as you know, and some of the people who listened last time we reviewed Cold Spring Harbor, do you think Piano Man is a better album than Cold Spring Harbor? I don't know. I mean, if you take out the popular tunes from both, I, I think I'd lean toward Cold Spring Harbor. I mean, Billy's best songs are very personal, and he doesn't get very personal on this album, except in the broadest sense. You're sort of racing around the country on a train or a horse, and it it smells like saddles and gunpowder, and the energy is great. But he doesn't let us get any closer to him than he does in Piano Man, and that's really himself relegated to the background. He's sort of the human soundtrack to other people's lives. And that I think that speaks a lot to his life at the time, and he might be able to unlock a bit of his psyche in that, but he keeps his, his, his six-string packed in his saddlebags for most of this one, I think. So I probably have to lean more toward Cold Spring Harbor. And what do you think? Well, production-wise, I would say yes, of course. But like you, I actually resonate with the songs on Cold Spring Harbor quite a bit more. There's something so honest about them. Not that these songs on Piano Man aren't, but this the first album is just, it's so much raw in the emotional sense. Yeah, it's almost like he's he's drawing back a little bit or moving, you know, and with the Southern and Western influence. I mean, do you think this is sort of a, a deliberate pushback from his New York roots, like on purpose or or, or or incidental? Well, I recall this was some time back. I was watching this Q&A that Billy Joel did. This was in the 90s. He was in, I think, Nuremberg, Germany, and he was asked about Shameless. And he was saying that he thought of country music as being like the descendant of folk music. And he was saying that growing, he was growing up in New York, there was no country music on the radio. He didn't hear any of it, any of it, of it at all. And his instinct was that he didn't like country music and that it was the music of unsophisticated people. And I remember he was making fun very much of country music on the stage, how he perceived it. He didn't have any interest in it at all. And then he heard Ray Charles, two great records. I would like to call it to the attention of everybody. 
Modern Sounds and Country and Western Music, and then there was a second one, Modern Sounds and Country and Western Music, Volume 2. They both came out in the 60s. Really great music. Two of the greatest albums ever made. So to get to the question, is it a pushback? I don't think so. My thought is that because Ray Charles was such an influence on Billy Joel, he was kind of working the creative muscles. He wanted to see if he could do that too. And I think that the country and bluegrass artists that we've talked about that have covered his work, to a greater extent than I realized, it's kind of proof that, yes, he could write in that style because they wouldn't have picked these songs if they weren't good because there's just such a sheer volume of country songs always being written because of the way it's recorded. So I don't think it was a pushback, but I think it was kind of like him emulating his hero, Ray Charles. What about you? Do you think that it could have been a pushback? Well, I don't know. I mean, he, this seems like the most far flung thing from what became his style that it, it seemed, you know, experimental. It's out there. I just didn't know if he was maybe yeah, just pushing himself or, 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 or just wanting to experiment and, and see what he could do. I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff here. I mean, I'm sure the song like Ballad of Billy the Kid was a blast to write. I mean, when I first encountered that song, I, I didn't know it was a Billy Joel song. We were watching a Family Guy episode, and Seth MacFarlane is a huge Billy Joel fan. And all of a sudden, this song comes on, and Peter's comically playing the little in- piano interludes between the big arrangements and it's hilarious. And I look over to my wife and I go, is this Billy Joel? Because and we both had never heard the song and we looked it up and we were just dying laughing. I mean, it's funny and it's fun and it's big. And I'm sure he just had a blast doing it. I, I just it was just so shocking from someone who I'm I so think of as this very, you know, introspective kind of sad. And even when he's having fun, it's kind of sad guy. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this just big bombastic arrangements were, were just great. Be honest. Did you think of Marlboro commercials at all when you were listening? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, th- I thought of Bonanza and I thought of everything <laughs> I knew, knew of the old Westerns that my dad used to watch and the Lone Ranger. And, you know, it is so out of place to what I think with Billy Joel. But, of course, it's masterfully done with these these arrangements. I mean, they're, they're so big and there's so many key changes. I mean, you just not very few people can pull it off. True. Well, we should discuss the most famous Billy Joel song of all, Piano Man, of course, which is the second track on the album. Why do you believe the song Piano Man appeals to so many people and continues to? I think the easy answer is is that it's it's so ingrained in the zeitgeist and everyone sort of knows it and it feels good to sing along to something in a bar that everyone knows, but... I think that if you look at why this song got there, you know, it's musically perfect, the melody's catchy, and the harmonica and mandolin have never been used more masterfully in a pop song, I don't think. But more than that, it's a it's an, own, an ode to mundanity and failure and what time will eventually take from you and a, a very real but gauzy sense of the human grind and the dusty magic of the idea that we're all in life's tavern together. And he gives this beauty and simplicity to the most complex and boring problems of being alive. And he gives them nobility without ever glorifying them. 
and he does this effortlessly to the point you don't even realize he's doing it. it it's a bit of a landlocked sea shanty with its hypnotic kind of romantic pace and flow and you're out there alone while still surrounded by people and it might be the last song ever written of its kind it, it's so good because you never have to know why it's so good to enjoy it it's existentially brilliant while being completely emotionally accessible to every patron at the bar right <laughs> wow what do you think well that's 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 a very very insightful answer i have to say i would say this i actually had the chance to see and hear the reaction of somebody who had never heard piano man performed or anything really yeah karina the till death do us part in my life she and I went to a concert at the Atlanta Symphony Hall. Uh, Michael Cavanaugh, who is the official Billy Joel tribute artist. He does a Billy Joel show and he does an Elton John show. When he was in Atlanta, he was doing the Elton John show. But one of the last songs he did, he did a couple of Billy Joel songs along the way. One of the last songs he did was Piano Man. And Karina was especially, I don't know what you would say. It was like she was like, what is this? The, the, the expression on her face completely changed, changed. And she said, what is this song? And I said, this is Piano Man. Who is it by? It's by Billy Joel. Who is this Billy Joel? <laughs> and she said, I swear, this is one of the best songs I've ever heard, which that was her out of the box, her reaction. Wow. I think the song, like you said, you don't have to understand why it's good. But for most of us, there is far more in our life where there's some place that we'd rather be. Or we're, <laughs> we're stuck <laughs> in that. It's just so relatable. It's so relatable. It's kind of like, which I should say, Rolling Stone years and years and years ago, they said that it was like a Bob Dylan song. And I can see that in a lot of ways. Like a Rolling Stone, it's it's a song about somebody who is not famous, and that's why it's so good. And in this case, the piano bar player, he's somebody that you could meet at your co corner pub. You could actually meet this guy, and you probably know some of the characters. And that's why I think... Uh, and, you know, and Billy Joel has said <laughs> that he doesn't feel the song is exceptional. He said, to me, it's just a waltz. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So a song like this, or, you know, I guess the two biggest songs off of this, and I suppose the ones that are most different from the rest, um, Piano Man and Captain Jack, did they take on any new meaning in the midst of this group of songs? I mean, as part of this collection? Well, you know, I felt like in particular, yes, they stood out big time. They didn't seem like the rest of the album. And I thought about that and I thought, well, usually when you're rewarded or applauded for something in life, you keep doing it. You know, a, a kid, his first time at the bat, he gets lucky and he hits the, he, he hits the ball. He hits it far. He wants to play baseball from then on. He loves baseball. You keep doing it. And it seemed to me the thing about both of those songs is the prevalence of the character 
in the plot of the song. It seems like characters are such a big part of his successful songs. Captain Jack is a character. The Piano Man, of course, a version of himself, but nonetheless a character. But then I thought about how, in years to come, Anthony's song, James, scenes from an Italian restaurant. So I think what I thought about their meaning in the midst of this group of songs was that this was his bailiwick. It was like he realized from the audience reaction, from the re- the reaction of the radio stations, this is what I do really, really good. I can write a good character song. What about you? Did you feel like there was any new meaning of these two songs when compared to the other songs on the album? Well, Piano Man makes sense in that, you know, this sort of slice of Americana, even a pop over to Paris, is meant to be a sort of collection. And, you know, Piano Man itself is sort of an annealment of that collection with these patrons at the bar, collections of experience all sort of brought together and Interestingly, because you you get out, you start off with travel and prayer on this train, and you're just moving around in Delta Blues and and the saloon, and you know out across Indiana and and headed to Nevada, California, and then Captain Jack stands out when he gets back to New York. If that's the journey, it's sad and depressing and full of you know pretense and loneliness. Like coming back home is is, you know, it's rougher there or it's darker. Uh, It's full of more nuance. Uh, And I've always loved Captain Jack. I mean, like you said, I mean, I think that was one of the first hits that he had. And so, yeah, I I just found it really fascinating uh, that he ended a song with so much, or an album with so much energy with a song like Captain Jack. So Billy Joel said of Captain Jack, and why he doesn't play it anymore live, he didn't age well. Captain Jack's been demoted to Private Jack. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, he is the performer and he is the artist. Of course, he has the final say. When you see so many people around you that overdose, and as you get older, the romanticism of a lot of those things, it really vanishes. I mean, I can recall people that, I thought were cool at one point in my life that now I kind of realize that it's, they're a sad case. I do like the song. I, I, I think the song is great. It kind of reminds me of something that, that Jimmy Buffett said. He was talking about how when you create a song that people identify with so much, the character in the song, it reaches a point where it does not belong to you anymore. The character in the song, it belongs to everybody. And I'm sorry, I, I gotta say, I don't think Billy Joel is making a good call here because <laughs> every time I hear the song, I listen to the album from beginning to end several times over the last month, but especially just before we started recording this review. And I could not stop myself from singing along. <laughs> it is one of those songs you hear it and you, you just, you have to belt it out. I have memories of singing Captain Jack after quite a few beverages with you and your friend <laughs> J-Bo late at night. <laughs> what do you think? Do, do you, yeah. Do you agree? 
I, I do. I mean, I think it's really uh, this, one of the standouts on the album. When I first started listening to Billy Joel and I picked up the greatest hits, I knew a lot of the songs on the greatest hits already just from hearing them on the radio or, or whatever. But I didn't know Captain Jack. And it was a big radio hit when it first came out, although I think it you know, kind of left radio play um, for obvious reasons. It had dealing with some, you know, slightly, you know, darker you know, subject matter than a lot of his songs. And for some reason, I mean, you, you always like to ask about, you know, melody versus songwriting. But for some the the music in this song is so gorgeous. It's it's like just very quiet song that sort of, you know, seamlessly transitions into this big chorus. And yeah, like I said, it's a sing along and there's a lot of quiet reserve to it. There's a lot going on. And, and it instantly was a favorite for me. But it was the second song of his greatest hits, volume one. And I was like, wow, what is this? And and it, I think that was one it, it was one of the songs that really made me fall in love with Billy Joel outside of what I already knew. And yeah, it I don't think that it's I think it's aged incredibly well. Even though yeah, of course that that guy in the that kid in the village, you know, is doesn't isn't there anymore. It's such a slice of Americana, just like the rest of this album. It's I, I think it's an awesome relic. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, on the note of Buffett, there's a few, I can't describe it any other way, but like nautical sounds in that song. <laughs> I could have seen Jimmy Buffett recording this song, especially back in the 70s when so many of his songs were about drugs. I could, I could see, I could have seen that, but any other songs that really stand out to you from the Piano Man album? I said Ballad of Billy the Kid was a lot of fun. I think somewhere along the line, I think you nailed it. It's it's a great song. I think it encapsulates very much the theme of the album. And it has a lot of stylistic elements that would suggest where he was going. And so, you know, I would say other than Captain Jack, that would be the other one that I think kind of would be one that I'll add to my my big Billy Joel playlist. How about you? My favorite song on the album is If I Only Had the Words to Tell You. Really? Yeah, great song. It, it really, to me, it captures the emotion of someone when they feel something that they cannot express in words. And I just think it's a fantastic song. I really, really like it. Yeah, I love the slide guitar in it. And I think there's at least 12 key changes, which nobody tries. These days in songs. <laughs> So, Jason, what does the album Piano Man say about Billy Joel? I think it says that he was hyper aware of his own mortality from a very young age, and he was grabbing experiences or other people's experiences. As a person who is existentially aware of how brief the ride is, you know, he can pick up any style and execute it flawlessly. He can create momentum on an album and tie it together thematically punctuating it with train robberies and sing-alongs while contemplating the loneliness of that ride. I mean, you'd expect him to have a 10-gallon hat on the cover for half these cowboy songs, <laughs> but instead, he looks ghostly and fading, Yeah, you know? And I think there's a lot, I think that choice says a lot about what this really means, right? It's this, it's the ghost grabbing, you know, or looking back on, you know, life and, and just grabbing as much as he can. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think it says about him? Well, he's such a great, he, he's such a strong songwriter that really he can write for any genre. As we know, as we discussed in the last episode of 
the It's Still Billy Joel series. He did the heavy metal thing. He's made acid rock music. But also, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, if he couldn't write country and Western music, there wouldn't be so many artists who have chosen to record those songs. So to me, it goes back to songwriting. It says about him that he's one of the most versatile singer, songwriter, pianist, recording artists ever. It all starts with a song, and Billy Joel is one of the best. Completely agree. Well, Jason, thank you very much for getting on here to discuss Piano Man, the breakthrough album of Billy Joel. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. All right. My pleasure. Thank you again. And I'll see you next month where we'll be taking a deeper look at Street Life Serenade, the third Billy Joel studio album. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. Hosted, written, and produced by Paul Leslie. Intro theme song, Alexander's Ragtime Band, written by Irving Berlin, performed by Dan Barrett. Outro scatting G-Things, improvised, performed, and produced by John Goodwin. Until next time. Goodbye.